You're listening to episode 36 of the Journey to Launch podcast. Everything you need to know about getting rid of your student loan debt. T minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast, episode 36. This episode, we're going to be talking about a topic that a lot of you have been asking for. I get questions on this all the time, and it is probably the bane of your existence if you still have it. Hmm, what could the topic be? Well, student loans. Student loans have been such a source of angst and annoyance and just problems for a lot of you guys. And at one point, it wasn't necessarily a problem, but it was a hindrance for me too. It was a debt that I had that I got rid of. And I'll talk about my little student loan debt payoff story soon. But I wanted to get someone on the podcast who can talk specifically to student loan debt and how we can pay that off, how you can pay that off on your financial freedom journey. Because listen, debt payoff is like one of the first steps. And the quicker you get out of debt, even student loans, no matter how large they are, the more you can then focus on building real wealth, you can focus your money on investing. And it's one of those things where in our society today, so many of us were not given the tools on how to make the best decisions to go to college and how to spend money in school. And as a result, a lot of you guys have graduated with a lot of debt and really don't even have necessarily the job or the income to show for it, to show for the price of that college education. And some of you have very maybe high education degrees, doctors, lawyers, and so your student loan debt is tremendous already. So how do we start working that down? How do we get rid of it? So I have on Robert Farrington from thecollegeinvestor.com. He is essentially a student loan debt expert. Robert is on a mission to help millennials get out of debt, student loan debt specifically, and start building wealth for their future. He launched the collegeinvestor.com when he was finishing his MBA, and he realized that so many other people, his peers even, just did not understand how they were spending in college and the repercussions that would happen, you know, once they graduated and had these loans. Now he has turned his passion, his knowledge into helping others. And so we talk about a lot in this episode in terms of what student loans really are, like what they mean and how you can get rid of them. We separate the differences between a debt consolidation and a refinance of a student loan. We talk about the public service loan forgiveness program, which I get asked about a lot. And with the podcast, so if you haven't noticed already, I like to do a mix of inspirational stories, people on the journey to financial freedom and financial independence, where you can pick up nuggets and just motivation from their stories. 
Then I also like to do expert topics where we are diving deep into something that you guys want to know more about. And so bringing on an expert to talk about that is perfect. And so this is one of those episodes. Before we get into this conversation with Robert, if you are enjoying the podcast, please do not forget to subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you are listening in Apple Podcasts, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. I get so much feedback, whether it's a direct message or an email that you love the podcast. And you guys have been really great about leaving the reviews, but let's keep it going because really this is what shows me that you guys are out there listening. If you want to return the favor for all the information and knowledge and motivation that I help and I hope that I'm giving you every week, This is the perfect way to do it. It really shows me that you guys appreciate the work I'm putting out into the world. So please, if you listen to Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget, you can always join me in my private Facebook group at journeytolaunch.com slash community, or go to Facebook and type Journey to Launch in. And of course, you can join my newsletter at journeytolaunch.com slash join if you want just weekly updates to stay in the know for any updates and tidbits that you might not see anywhere else. Robert has also started something in the month of March. So if you're listening to this in real time, March 2018, he has started a student loan debt movement. His goal is to have people join this movement and combined eliminate, reduce, or pay down $1 million in student loan debt. And so I'm going to link how you can join that movement. He has great resources, just great tips for anyone who wants to join. He's also giving away money every week. I'm going to link that in the episode show notes at journeysalonch.com slash episode 36. So remember, anything we talk about in this episode, you can get at journeysalonch.com slash episode 36. All right, let's jump into this conversation with Robert. Hey, Journeyers. I'm so excited to have Robert Farrington from The College Investor on the podcast today. Hi, Robert. Hey, thanks for having me on today. And it's imperative. I knew I needed to have someone on who could talk about this very important subject, which is student loan debt. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> because it plagues so many of my listeners. I mean, it plagues so many people. And Totally. It's one of those things where there's always questions, always misconceptions, things floating around about it. And so I wanted to have you on because you yourself are a basically student loan expert, right? I like to think of myself as such. I've been dealing and helping people with it for a long time. Let's just put it that way. Right. And so I know that my listeners will be able to gain a lot, a lot of information from you. So first, let's get started. Why student loan debt? Like, how did you become a student loan expert? Yeah, and it totally was not my plan to be a student loan debt expert. So I started the college investor when I was sitting in the back row of my college class because I was passionate about investing and making money. Those are kind of where I started with my passions. And as I started growing the blog and writing blog posts about different topics on investing, Some of my friends were like, hey, that's cool and all, but I have all this debt. Student loans are really plaguing me, and I just can't do that yet. And so I started writing a few articles about student loans and a little bit about my story. I had $42,000 in student loans when I graduated as well. And it just kind of grew from there as I was writing more. That resonated with my audience. People were taking action and finding value in those articles. And so I really just continued to educate myself and help others and 
Today, we talk a lot about student loan debt, as well as investing and earning more money. So you had this 42000 in undergrad loans? It was from a little bit from undergraduate and then going in my MBA as well. Okay. And so back then, I mean, I don't know how long ago you graduated, but how did you eventually then get out of debt? How long did it take you to get out of student loan debt specifically? So I paid off my student loans in three years after I graduated. And I did that through pretty much earning more money was the main goal. So a little bit of budgeting, a little bit of living frugally, but I did it through side hustling and making extra money and putting that extra money towards my student loans every single month. I know it's one of the things you talk about a lot on your website. It's something that I stress is that at the end of the day, it's all about income. Yes, expenses are important, but the higher, the faster you can drive that income up, the quicker you'll be able to get out of debt. So it looks like that's what you were able to do. Now, did the college investor itself help you do that? The college investor was definitely one of the avenues that helped me do that. I wasn't earning a ton of money on my blog when I first started doing this, but it definitely helped. Every couple hundred dollars here and there went towards it. I also did a lot of stuff like selling on eBay and Amazon, going to garage sales and estate sales and doing things like that as well to make extra money right when I was out of college. Mm -hmm. Which again is you have to be resourceful, right? So even if you can't think of a business, like a legitimate necessarily business, there are tons of things you can do to earn extra money. And if you earmark that money and say, you know what, I'm going to use this towards this specific debt, it is totally possible to make some dents in that balance, right? Oh, it's so true. And every little bit helps because it stops interest from earning on that money. And so even if you can only put a hundred extra bucks a month to it, and I'm a firm believer that anyone that tries can earn $100 extra a month. And I've never found someone that's actually wanted to put in the time that has failed that challenge. So it's doable. Mm -hmm. And But you know what happens? I feel like when people think of $100 extra a month, they think, you know, that's not a lot of money. That's not going to make a big dent. Because I do feel like people actually spend just frivolously, if they looked at their budget, $100 a month. Absolutely. And I get what you're saying. But I do feel like I come across some pushback sometimes on, oh, just an extra $100? Like, where is that? My student loan debt is $60,000. How is $100 extra going to help me? And you know, you're totally right because it's such a mental game. And I think we talk a lot about like all these tactics, but we ignore that whole mental deal of looking at your account. So when you put that first $100 towards your loans, that's extra. It literally feels like nothing. Like what was the point of that? And then you do it again the next month and it feels like nothing. And you're like, this sucks. But you know what? It's the same as going to the gym. You have this New Year's resolution about working out. The first day you go to the gym on January 1st, you look in the mirror when you get home, nothing right? It takes two, three months. And it's the same thing with your student loan payment. It takes multiple months of making extra payments. And then in a year or two, you're going to see significant impact from that extra $100 a month that you were making for the last two years. Right. And like you said, it builds that muscle, that grit to be resourceful because you can start out saying, okay, I'm only going to make $100. And then once you get into it, once you get into that hustle mode, you actually are invigorated by it, you're excited by it, and you end up probably making way more than $100. And now you are conditioned to pay off debt or be more responsible, so you reach your goals even faster. Gosh, you're so correct in that one. It takes that time, but you gotta start somewhere. And that's where it's, if you can find an extra 50, an extra 100 bucks a month, start there and then build on that over time. This actually leads me into a question I get asked a lot. And I really wanted this to be a like actionable podcast for people because people have so many questions. But yeah, so let's say someone they have student loan debt, which is a majority of the population, but they also want to invest. They want to invest for their future, whether that's their retirement accounts or just 
non-retirement accounts. If they get an extra $1,500, how should they think about if they should pay off student loan debt or invest it? I would try to do both because there's another aspect. So compound interest works both ways on you. When you're in debt, it's hurting you, right? Because your loan balance is growing and that interest is earning on your loans. But if you can put that money to invest early, so if you're 22 or 25 and you're just out of school, you know, putting that extra $50, let's just split the difference. I would put $50 to your student loans, $50 to investing because over time, once again, in 10 years, 15 years, that money will have compounded and grown significantly and put you so much earlier on your track to financial independence than if you started, say, 35 after you're out of debt, maybe. So do both. Find that balance. And I would agree with that. I think you definitely shouldn't wait until you're done with student loans, because some student loans are as big as a mortgage, especially if you go into that, I would say those high professional fields like the doctors and lawyers, but even non-doctors and lawyers graduate, like just communications degrees, sometimes have hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Totally. And you know, there's ways to do it without breaking your budget. For example, if you have a 401k or 403b at your work, take advantage up to your employer match and then take the rest and start putting it towards your student loan. So at least you're maybe putting in like 5% of your salary into a 401k and you're getting free money from your employer and you're investing for the future. It's like win-win. Right, right. So I actually asked my audience in my private Facebook group, I said, hey, I'm having on a student loan debt expert. What are your questions? And the comments lit up (laughs) with questions. So I wanted to ask these questions because I thought they were important. And one was, so can you actually apply extra payments to your principal balance of the student loan? Yes, you can. But I will put an asterisk there. They do not make it easy. (laughs) So if you want to make extra payments towards your federal student loans, you need to call or write your servicer and tell them that you want to make these extra principal payments and they want you to apply to your principal. However, I will also say if you are planning on getting student loan forgiveness because maybe you're part of public service loan forgiveness or another program, never make extra payments towards your loans because two things can happen. One, you're just making money that you'd get forgiven and you're just wasting it because you're going to get student loan forgiveness. But two, it can actually not count as a qualifying payment for student loan forgiveness because that extra payment could lower a future payment and then it causes a whole chain reaction of events through what's called pay ahead status. But honestly, the bottom line is, is yes, you can make extra payments towards your principal, but don't do it if you're getting student loan forgiveness. Mm. And you know what? I want to talk about student loan forgiveness because there are so many people who ask that question that they are in the program. Should they just stay in the program? And I forget if it's 15 or 20 years and just stay the course and pay the minimum or if they should aggressively pay off their debt. What are your thoughts? So there's a few different programs out there. Public Service Loan Forgiveness, PSLF, is the quote-unquote best program out there. It's a 10-year slash 120 payments. And if you work in public service and if you have the right type of loans and you're on the right repayment plan, after 10 years, your loans are forgiven and it's tax-free forgiveness. So if you're in public service loan forgiveness, you make the minimum payments and you stay in that program. Now, I don't like to get political, but that program might go away in the future. So right now it's looking like it'll be grandfathered in. So if you're currently eligible, get into the program because it's a great program that might go away in the future. Can I just interject? When you say public service, is that working for a public office, teachers, what type of professions usually are that? Oh, my gosh. 
the list goes on and on. So federal, state, local government, teachers count, the military, law enforcement officers. If you work at a public hospital like the VA, different things like that, there's so many things that count in the broad scope of public service. So basically any government job, any job that works for a nonprofit, and it doesn't matter what you do there. You could be a janitor at a public school and you would still get just as much student loan forgiveness as the teacher or the principal would. It doesn't matter what you do. And is this forgiving every single like federal and private loans or are there some stipulations? Well, it's definitely only the federal loans. So private student loans definitely don't have any forgiveness program. So that's tough if you have private loans, but it does any federal direct student loans. So make sure you have the right loan type. Direct student loans are the right loan types. And that could really impact older borrowers. So if you have old FFEL loans, from anything really before 2005, 2006-ish, you might really want to look at your loan type before you think you qualify for public service loan forgiveness because it is only for direct loans. So the FFEL is not a federal loan? It's a federal loan, but it's an older loan program. Uh, So if you took out these loans in 1990s, early 2000s, you might not have the right type of student loans to qualify. So you need to log into your account and see if you have direct student loans. Let's say someone has been working in a school for three years. They never looked into this federal loan forgiveness program. Can they now look at it and apply at this very moment? Absolutely. The program started in 2007. It doesn't matter if you've ever looked at your loan. If you have the right kind of loan, the right type of employment, and you're on the right repayment plan, even if you're just figuring it out today, if those things qualify, it retroactively counts. You just need to go online and fill out the form, the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Certification form. Okay. And I will find that site. I'll link it in the show notes for anyone who's interested in seeing if they qualify for that particular loan forgiveness program. Yep. So that's the best one out there. I will say that if you're on an income-driven repayment plan, so if you're on pay-as-you-earn or income-based repayment, those loan programs come with forgiveness at the end of the loan term. And these are 20 or 25-year repayment programs. Now, these ones, if you can make extra payments on or you don't think you're going to like last 20 to 25 years because your income is going to go up substantially, those programs, I would say, if you can afford it, pay those loans off going for 20 to 25 years probably isn't worth it for most people. Mm, So you're saying it depends on the type of forgiveness program you're in and the amount of time it takes. So if it's a 10-year, pay the minimum. But if it's a longer one, 20, 25, and you expect to make a lot more money in the future, it's possible to just you should pay that off. Right. Because the gamble the government's making on you, is it's two-sided, right? For today, you're on this income-driven repayment program and you have a super low payment. Well, the government is betting that over time, you're going to gain experience, you're going to get promoted, and you're going to earn more money. So they're counting on you to never actually make it to getting forgiveness. And so if you can start paying that loan off today, because you never know, in 20 years, your goal is to earn more money than you earn today, hopefully. (laughs) Right. Now, have you heard of instances where people have thought they were in the program, they were making their payments, and then at the end of it, they realized they were not qualified or it didn't work for them? Sadly, yes. The program, so public service loan forgiveness, like I said, has three key points. You got to have those direct loans. And that's the number one thing I see people get in trouble for. They thought they qualified and then they found out that they have these older types of loans, these FFEL loans, and they never qualified the whole time. 
The second qualification is public service employment, which that one's pretty straightforward. I don't see very many issues with that. But the third one is having an income-driven repayment plan, IBR, pay-as-you-earn, etc. And this is another one that catches people. Some people are on a graduated plan or an extended plan. Those two do not count for public service loan forgiveness. Only the income-driven repayment plans count for it. Okay. So at the end of the day, you have to do your research. You have to ask questions. It seems like even if you apply for these programs, you still have to be on top of it. You can't expect that the administrators of these programs will let you know if you're not doing something correctly. Totally correct. So, you know, sadly, our Department of Education owns all your loans, but they outsource the administration and servicing of these loans to various companies. People will recognize the names, Navient, Nelnet, FedLoans. And these are huge companies. They have 20,000, 30,000 people with massive call centers. So I just want everyone to realize that it's your debt and your forgiveness on the line. You need to do your homework and don't necessarily trust a minimum wage call center rep with your financial future. These call center reps are taking hundreds of calls a day and they're just doing a quick glance at your account. And I guarantee you that just as an accident, I don't think they're trying to steer you in the wrong way, but just from the sheer fact of like many of us have been there in these types of jobs, whether it's retail or call center or whatnot, things do slip by and accidents happen. So you need to do your own due diligence and make sure that you qualify and you're doing your own homework on it. Right. And I will gather up some resources. I'm sure you'll have some for the audience to make sure they are checking themselves, some legitimate sites that they can go on and look. Definitely. I'll tell you guys, everything you can do with your federal student loans, you can do for free. You just go to studentloans.gov and you log in with your FSA ID. It's super easy. You can pull up all your loan information. You can look at your payment plan options. It's all right there for you. You don't need to use a third-party company and you can do it yourself online in minutes. All right. This is excellent, excellent information. Let's move on to another question I get asked a lot the pros and cons of debt consolidation. And then actually, let's step back a little bit. What's the difference between refinancing and then consolidating loans? Sure. Well, student loan consolidation is a free service by the Department of Education that allows you to take all your federal loans and put them into one single loan. And the reason you'd like to do this is convenience. So a lot of us, like if when, when I graduated college, I, was, I had probably like six different loans because I had one from my freshman year, I had one from my sophomore year, my junior year, my senior year. And then I had a couple from my summer school classes that I got loans for. And so I had some random loans in the middle there. So when I was done with school, I had six different student loans with six different payment amounts. And granted, they were all at the same company, so I could write one check and it would get paid. But sometimes you might have different loans at different companies and you're trying to organize all this. So that's where student loan consolidation can really be helpful in terms of getting organized. Now, student loan refinancing is when you take a private loan and you get a new private loan that replaces your other loans. You can refinance federal loans, you can refinance private loans, you can refinance them all together. But the bottom line is, is now this refinance loan is a private student loan. And you probably don't want to do that for your federal loans. Now, they might entice you with a low interest rate and it might look good, but this new private loan doesn't have a lot of options that your federal loans had. Like we kind of talked a little bit about these, but your federal loans have forgiveness programs. They have income-driven repayment programs. You could get deferments and forbearances. So you have all these special things on your federal loans. But when you go to a private loan, I want you to think of that private loan like a car loan. And you have nothing except for your monthly payment and they are not going to be 
flexible on that. So really keep that in mind. If you want to refinance and get a lower rate on your existing private loan, go for it. But if you're going to do it for your federal loans, really think twice about it. Mm, That's a good point. And so things you should consider, obviously, are what type of loan it is. So if it's a federal loan, it's probably best to keep it as a federal loan. But the private loans, you're saying it's okay to look around to see if you can get a better rate. Totally. If you have a private loan already, man, shop for that thing all the time. I would say look around every year and see if you can get a better rate on that thing. It doesn't hurt you. You already have like a strict repayment schedule. So if you can save some money on those private loans, try to save that money. If you have a federal loan, though, be very careful if you're thinking about trying to save some money with a private loan. Because it could make sense if you're going to earn a ton of money and you have a high income profession and you feel really stable in your job, maybe it makes sense. But I would say for 90 to 95 percent of federal loan borrowers, it really doesn't make sense to refinance. Mm -hmm. And again, we'll link some good resources for you guys to look at the best places you can look for refinancing your private loans. So look out for that. And in general, though, What are some other misconceptions or most common asked questions you get about student loan debt? Oh, man, I get so many questions. So we can kind of break this into a couple of parts. If you're thinking about going to college or if you're a young adult, should I take on student loans or not? The number one question I get is, what should I borrow? And I'm super, super focused on making sure you get an ROI for your education. So before you go down this path of student loan debt, I want you to think about what your clear path to profitability is for your own life when it comes to student loans. I'm not against any professions or anything. You go be you and do whatever it is that you want to do, but just don't go into a huge amount of student loan debt if you're never going to be able to pay that off. For example, if you want to be a teacher, don't go out and get $100,000 of student loans to be a teacher. Look at going to community college and your state school to do the very minimum you can to get your teaching credential and your degree and then keep your debt to a minimum. A simple rule I have is never borrow more than your first year expected salary. So if you're going to get a $35,000 a year job as a teacher after graduation, don't borrow more than 35k. Now, if you're going to go be an engineer or something and you expect to make 50 to 60k after graduation, Well, you could borrow a little bit more, but I would try to never go past that 50 or 60K mark, whatever you expect to make after graduation. And this is good for just parents listening. My kids are pretty young. These are the things that I'm going to talk about with them. And maybe some listeners have older kids who are in high school or getting ready to go to college. So these are great points that they can have with their children about, okay, let's think really about where you're going, the type of debt you're going to incur for the career you want to have. Totally. And that's it. Like you just got to think about it. It's not like it used to be. I I don't think everyone has to go to college or at least they don't have to go to college right after graduation. College is not the time to find yourself. It is a heck of expensive time to find yourself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't know what you want to do. Don't just go to college to get my general business degree and then still not know what to do after you graduate. Really try to have that clear path to what you want your life to look like. And maybe that takes a year or two go work some odd jobs, do some different things, figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know there's so many listeners right now saying, gosh, I wish I would have known this back in my day when I was like doing this, you know? 
Yeah. And then so part two is what do you do after you graduate? I can't afford my loans or I feel like I'm not making progress towards my loans. Well, the number one thing is find a repayment plan that works for you. So we talked a lot about these income driven repayment plans and they're fantastic. You know what? You can make your payment 10% or 15% of your discretionary income. And even while that might sound like a lot, it can really help you get a low enough student loan payment that you can actually start achieving some of your financial goals. So then you combine that with earning more money by side hustling and really focusing on your career slash your side hustle. And then over time, you'll start seeing some really great progress. I'm sorry it can't be faster and instantaneous, but you know it really just takes these little baby steps for a couple years to get that financial footing on the right track. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that you mentioned it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. But once you get on the track, once you get this momentum going, especially with the income side of things, you can accelerate the payoff. Now, again, it won't be necessarily quick as you'd like, but it will happen if you stay the course. Absolutely. I think that's just the most frustrating part is especially when you're trying to dig your way out of a lot of student loan debt or a lot of any kind of debt. Gosh, you just want it to happen, but it's just not. But every day, if you could just take a little bit off, if you could drive for Uber for one extra ride, if you could go deliver something, if you can go and sell one more thing, all those things really do make a difference over time so that you can really start seeing some progress. And then at the two or three year mark, you can look back and you can be like, wow, I really made some great progress. Mm -hmm. And I also don't want to ignore the fact that people will have student loans, but they'll probably have other loans too, right? So like car loans and more higher interest rate loans that they probably should focus on first, like if they want to put additional payments towards something. So I think that's important to just note that you should look at the entire situation, your entire debt and be smart about what's your highest interest rate, what you're paying off first. Totally. Absolutely. Get debt free. Get on an income driven repayment plan for your student loans and then get rid of any other debts you have and then come back and focus on those student loans. So for the income payment programs, can you do that if you're in a non-service job? So like can a doctor or engineer get on something like that? Absolutely. So income-driven repayment plans are open to almost all types of federal loans except for Parent PLUS loans. So any borrower that borrowed their own loans for the most part can get on an income-driven repayment plan. And it's based on your income. So it could go up. And that's, once again, that's the government's goal is to make it affordable after you graduate, but they're expecting you to earn more over the next few years. Your payment will go up. You can start paying that loan off more and more. Mm. I'm glad you actually brought up the parent plus loan because I did have a question about if your parent took out a loan for you, are there any programs for them or ways in which you can negotiate those payments? No. So parent plus loans are, in my opinion, the personally the worst type of loan. So they don't have these income driven repayment plan options. Your parent, while they took that loan out for you, it's 100% in their name. So if the kid doesn't ever help out, this is like one of these things that I feel like they cause so many family dramas because the parents are stuck with the loan. They can't force the kid to pay the loan. You need to have these family discussions about how you're going to tackle this debt together because if your parents can't afford it, all that's going to end up happening is they're going to be living with you when you're 30 and they're older because they couldn't save for themselves and it really can become a mess. So if you have a Parent PLUS loan, work together as a family and see what you guys can do to tackle that debt together. Mm, Good point. Last couple of questions. So this new tax plan that came into play this year, does it affect the student loan interest rate deductions? 
Luckily, it didn't. For a while there, there was some talk that they were going to eliminate it. However, the final version of the bill that passed, the student loan interest reduction, remained intact. So that means that student loan borrowers can still take this deduction on their payments. Remember, you can deduct a maximum of $2,500 in interest paid on your student loans, kind of depending on your income because it does phase out. But it's still there and uh, something that you can take advantage of. And if you're filing taxes right now, because this podcast will probably be coming out in the spring during tax season. The student loan interest deduction was definitely there for 2017. Okay, that's awesome. And I do want to note, close out a little bit and like let people know where they can find you. But you have something exciting going on in March. And that's hopefully when I get this podcast out is <laughs> in March. But you have a whole student loan debt movement going on. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm so excited. We're going to be doing a student loan debt movement on the College Investor, but we are have a lot of other bloggers that are going to be talking about student loan debt. And the goal is we're trying to see if we as a financial blogger and podcast community can encourage our readers to pay off or eliminate a million dollars in student loan debt. And we have a bunch of cool tools and resources and some giveaways. And I'm going to be doing office hours in a Facebook group for it. So I will answer any student loan questions twice a week for you guys live and on Facebook live. So I'll be there. A lot of other bloggers and podcasters are joining us in this movement. But the goal is let me help you eliminate your student loan debt. And let's see if we as a community can eliminate a million dollars or more. I'm hoping for the more piece in the month of March. Wow. In the month of March. Okay. That is ambitious, but I think it could be done. I think we can do it. I'm really excited. I'm super motivated to do it. And I really just want to see people make great progress on getting their student loans under control. All right. This was so great, Robert. Tell everyone where they can find more about you and student loan debt. Yeah, so you can find me at thecollegeinvestor.com. And if you have any questions or you want some resources for student loans, you can also go to thecollegeinvestor.com slash journey to launch. And I have a free five-day email course that you guys can take. And it walks you through everything that you could ever want to know about your loans, from how to get organized and how to find the right repayment plan for you to whether consolidation and refinancing makes sense. Pretty much everything we talked about on the show, and that's at thecollegeinvestor.com slash journey to launch. This was great. I will link all that in the show notes. Thank you, Robert, once again for joining us and sharing all this great information. Definitely. I was so excited to be here and I just can't wait to see people take action on their student loans. All right, Robert. Thank you. Thank you. I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode and got some takeaways that you can actually apply to your current situation, to your student loan debt. What are you going to do next? What can you figure out? How can you reduce it? And that's what this podcast is all about. That's what I want to do. I want to just give you information, share knowledge. So thanks, Robert, once again. If you want to learn more about his student loan debt movement, so this huge movement he's doing in March to get people to join together and pay off their debt, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 36. I link the student loan debt movement payoff in that episode show notes. I also wanted to talk a little bit about my student loan debt story. And I actually did graduate with a bit of student loans. It was about $22,000. And I was primarily not focused on it. I could care less the interest rate for what I thought it was low compared to what I felt I can get in the market. And truth be told, I was fine with paying the minimum. 
because everyone around me seemed to be paying the minimum. And it wasn't really until I started earning more money in my job, started getting bonuses, and I started realizing, wait, I do have some money just to pay this off. Like, why don't I just pay it off? So at some point in my late 20s, when I realized that I had the money in the bank to cover my student loan debt, I just said, you know what? I don't want to go on paying the minimum payments anymore. I'm just going to bite the bullet, pay it off, and not worry about it anymore. Because I also realized what motivated me at that moment And what motivates me is just not having debt. And while I wasn't as savvy in my 20s about where I was investing and then investing more in my 401k, I did know that I didn't want to be in a lot of debt. And so just getting rid of that student loan, even though I could have kept that money in my account or maybe bought some luxury item or something with that, I said to myself, I'm just going to pay this off. And I remember a coworker saying to me, why would you pay that off? It's such a low interest rate. You could invest instead, which he probably had a point, but I just wanted to get rid of it. So I got rid of it. And if you notice in my story, and Robert mentions this too, is that income is the driving force. So it's one thing to work on paying off your debt from where you are. That's fine. But to accelerate that, it's really about income, earning more, putting yourself in a position to have more money to pay off that debt. And that's basically what I did. As I grew in my career in my 20s, I started earning more money. I started getting more bonuses and I was able to then consciously pay down debts such as my student loan. So I don't have a too dramatic of a student loan story. Did have some, I paid it off when I realized that I didn't want to be in it anymore, but that's my story. So again, if you want the episode show notes where we discuss a lot of things here. So if you want to go back, just look, look everything up, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 36. Once again, if you are enjoying the podcast, do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe in Apple Podcasts. But you know, just listening, sharing it with a friend, and some of you guys don't listen on an Apple product. You're listening in an Android app or on my site, even on YouTube, totally fine, as long as you're listening and sharing and sending me feedback wherever you can, because you know I just love hearing what you guys think of everything. One more thing. So I am actually working on something very special and I can't wait to announce it. It is going to be a membership program. And I'm trying to come up with like something more cool name than just like a membership program. But essentially what it will be is a way to work, connect and join a community of like-minded people and get specific trainings, specific resources. So if you enjoyed today's episode, I would have someone like Robert come on, teach a class inside this membership about student loan debt, credit cards, about certain things that will help you on your financial freedom journey. Essentially, think of this as a community slash academy that will launch you to financial freedom. And what I really like about this model is I do believe that it will be helpful for more people because it will be at a way more affordable price than one-on-one coaching that I typically offer or even group coaching. So if you want to get on the wait list, if you want to be the first to know about when the doors open, just get on the wait list. There's nothing to do now. I'm just letting you know that there is going to be a soft launch, a secret list that I'm going to open it up to just a select few. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash membership. This just puts you on the list. And when I have more updates, when the doors open, 
before it opens basically to everyone, I want to just make sure I'm reaching out to the people who are really interested in joining this community. So once again, go to journeytolaunch.com slash membership to get on the wait list for when the doors open for my soft launch. All right, guys, I'll chat with you next week. 